Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's okay. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. Praise God. Would you go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10? Amen. Yes, please. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 23, going to go through verse 25. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you so much this morning for the power and authority and the truth of your word today, God. God, I thank you today for who you are to us and what you mean to us, God. Father, I thank you today for the fact that there is such power in assembly and gathering. God, I praise you this morning for the fact that we are on the greatest team of all. We're on the greatest team of all. We're on the team that doesn't have probability, but we're the team that's got victory, God. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much for it. And everybody says, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, praise team, for helping me out this morning. We thank you so much. Uh, we give honor today to our kids' ministry team also. I had several connect with me and tell me yesterday that they're in, that, in, the, in the quarantine right now. And so we've had some, some people step up and help out and all that good kind of stuff. So we appreciate them for doing that also. Okay, amen. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. I'll read those verses again. It just says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as you see the day approaching. It's something, if you ever watch uh, 
sports talk, if you ever watch ESPN, it's interesting that they will go through and they will try to uh, give interviews uh, to various players. It's something how they will ask them what some of their routine is and how they're doing and if they've gone to a new team, how they're settling in and if they've had coaching changes and team changes. And there, There's one question that I noticed has a tendency to be one that is asked quite often by interviewers. They ask the question, how is the atmosphere in the locker room? We know you guys are playing well. We know you guys are doing a good job, but how, how are things in, in the locker room? Is the attitude good? Because, frankly, it, it, defines, it defines kind of the attitude of a team. How's the team meshing? How are things beginning to come together? How, how are they gluing it together? Are, are, are we working well with one another? Now, now I'm going to give you a moment, men and women alike. I'm not, I'm not going to favor any gender this morning, but can I get just a show of hands? Who was involved in sports in high school? Who played sports in high school? Okay, yes, yes, yes. How, how many football players did we have in the house? All right, we, we got oh, awesome, Greg. I didn't know that about you. That's cool. That's cool. Did you throw the winning catch at the state championship, brother? Hey, coach didn't put you in that game, right? Hey, Amen. That's cool. That's cool. How many basketball players do we have in the house? All righty. All right, cool beans. How many, how many, do we have any volleyball players? Awesome, cool, volleyball. What about track and field? Track and field, all righty, all righty. Now can we give some love to the people that make any bad team look good? Can we give some love to some band members in the house this morning? Woo! Amen, amen. You all know I love you, and I was one of them, so I can make that jokes. We got our clarinets in one hand and our inhalers in the other. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Band, you got to love band. Oh, my gosh. There's something about an atmosphere at an athletic event at whatever level you're playing. Oh, whatever level you're playing. And if you've kind of noticed something that there are some who are almost, some parents who are almost as enthused as their kids who are actually out on the field. Uh, they're actually out on the field. You can guarantee something. If you ever go stay in a big city on summer weekends, you're going to walk out of your hotel room and you're going to see hundreds of little league baseball kids walking those halls sometimes late at night. And it's like, I don't know if, if it's the kids or if it's the parents that has this kind of enthusiasm. I'm not disrespecting anybody, but pastor calls that the $1,000 weekend for the $20 trophy. Amen. But there's something about enthusiasm. You got to come out with an air of enthusiasm. And that enthusiasm does not start when you walk out onto the field of play. That sense of enthusiasm starts in the locker room. If you come out and you're on the playing field, and I mean, you're just not ready to play, if you're downtrodden, if you, if you got a bad, how many know that it all starts with the attitude? Right? It all starts with the attitude. 
Oh, I'm going to tell you something right now. Uh, uh, it, I, I have seen some coaches, and I want to be like, dude, how, how, how do you not have any life right now? One coach I used to love watching. How many remember watching Coach Tony Dungy? And he's got some really great Christian material out there. Coach Tony Dungy used to crack me up because I never think I, I heard him say anything during a game. You remember that? He'd stand there like this, and he wouldn't move at all. And I used to wonder, how does his team, now he was a great coach, and they, they, they made a lot of titles and stuff like that, and they, they went a long way, but, but, but I used to think, how does your team have any life whatsoever? Because it all starts with the attitude before you even step out into the field. It starts with that attitude. I could guarantee you this tonight. Two coaches are going to stand in their locker rooms before the game. And they are going to give their teams a pep talk. They're going to give them a pep talk. And I highly doubt either one of them is going to stand in their locker room and go, you know what? You're the most average team I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if we're going to win this one. I don't know how it's, I really don't really see this happening tonight. See, see you got to get your team ready. You got to get them pumped up. You got to get them ready. You got to get them ready for the field of play. No, those coaches are going to say, you know what? We've come this far. We've come this far and we've gotten this far and you know what? We have the ability inside of us to go even farther. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for where I've come from, but I'm here to tell you, I'm not staying here any longer. I'm going to go further. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what, how long you've been serving the Lord. If you are in service with Jesus Christ, you can go further. But these coaches are going to look at their teams and they're going to give them a royal pep talk. They're going to give them a pep talk and say stuff like, you can do it. Listen to one another. Focus on one another. Pay attention to what's going on. Move the ball. They're going to give them the greatest, biggest motivational speech that they've ever given them. Anybody remember those old sports days and your coach gave you just the right kind of motivational speech? Amen? Your coach gave you just the right kind of motivational speech. It motivated you. It picked you up. And it, you know, it kind of made you feel as if you could tackle just about anything or you could face any kind of adversary that had a tendency to stand in your way. You know there's power in the locker room because it gets you motivated to run out and to conquer any type of adversity you might be facing. You want to know something? The Lord has given us a locker room. Do you know that? The Lord has given us a locker room. And so, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, that it concerns me so much so that we've got a movement that talks so much about personal intimacy with God, which is very important, that we forget that there's a great power in assembling. 
and coming together as the body of Christ and being with one another and fellowshipping with one another. I mean, isn't it something how the Holy Spirit moves amongst the body of Christ? Isn't it something how the Holy Spirit moves amongst the body of Christ? And he's like this adhesive that brings us all together. I've always been amazed by that. I've been amazed by the fact that different uh, socioeconomic standings and races and ages can come together and we can be in one mind and in one accord. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together you want to know what's so cool about the 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 kingdom of God we all hold a valuable peace and portion if you look at the original Greek of the word assembly it interprets as being ecclesia a coming together Okay, a coming together. And in fact, if you look at the definition, it says a coming together of summoned individuals. Are you called this morning? Are you called? Come on, where you at this morning? Are you called this morning? Amen. Are you called this morning? God called you and he pointed at you and he called you home. So in other words, we're a group of called individuals that have been declared to come together. Amen. Amen. You want to know the reason why that list comes out? It's a dreaded list called the injured report. It's a dreaded list called the injured report, okay? The injury report. And what the injury report does is it, um, it says who can play and who cannot play. It says who can play and who cannot play on the injured report. And sometimes you read that report and it has a tendency to kind of make you a little nervous about the game. Makes you a little nervous because you've got important pieces of parts that are missing, okay? They're missing from this very important game. They're, they're important. There are, I'm very nervous about a couple guys that might not be playing tonight on Cincinnati's side. I'm nervous about it. My heart dropped in 2005. Carson Palmer's in a playoff game. Carson Palmer's in a playoff game, and he takes a hit directly to the knee in a playoff game and gets carted off the field because we knew that that very important part of the team was now being missing. Here in Hebrews, if you look at a deeper interpretation of that word, it means a collection, a complete collection. This assembling together has a definition of being a complete and total collection. Can I tell you something? When the body of Christ misses services, we're not just upset because of numbers. We're upset to the fact because we want to see everybody, the complete collection, coming together. I mean, I just want to look at that camera and say, I, we understand health circumstances, but if you're able to come to the house, please come to the house because we want our complete collection. 
The body of Christ was not called to be separated. It was called to be a complete and total collection coming together. See, we fulfill one another and complete one another when we come together. Christ's prerogative with the church was not to build individuals, but to build a body. And the cool thing of it is, not just are we part of Rodney Pike Church of God here in Bidwell, Ohio, or some might say Rodney, Ohio, but we're part of the kingdom of God. And we get to see that happening when we come together. Isn't it so cool to know that you're part of a body of people that are preaching in third world nations this morning? Uh, Isn't a cool concept to understand you're part of a team of people that are getting saved by the droves and third world countries oh but can I say something this morning it's time for the portion of the body that's in the United States of America to understand you're not an individual you're part of a complete and total package known as the body of Christ amen oh hallelujah let me tell you you're valuable to the body praise God praise God See, what happens is the body comes together and there's a breakdown of something. There's a breakdown of spiritual vulnerability. There's a breakdown. You watch enough National Geographic, you'll learn something. That wildebeest that gets taken down by a lion, it's not the one in the middle of the pack. That wildebeest that gets their neck bit and they get tackled down and all this kind of stuff, Oh, it's not the one that's in the middle of the pack, is it? It's not the one. In fact, if you watch them, their instincts know to come together when they're under attack. When there's a predator beginning to lurch, they see, hey, wait a second here. We better do something about this. We better get close together with our herd. But you got that dumb one that hangs outside the herd. That's the one that gets taken down by the predator. That's the one that gets taken down by the predator. And the more we're detached from the team, the more vulnerable we become, the more susceptible to falling into traps and ensnarements of temptation we become. But when we come together as the body of Christ, there's a sanding away of the vulnerability and there's a buildup of spiritual strength and vitality that begins to happen. Honey, I hope you didn't come here this morning because you got church culture or religion I hope you came here today to fulfill the law of Christ and exhort one another and build one another up hallelujah oh my goodness you want to know something I don't know the times and gatherings I had so much doubt and I had fear and anxiety I didn't think I could do it but somebody told me and they encouraged me in the house in the assembling together oh my gosh the assembling and coming together is important and let me tell you here in just a couple weeks we're going to baptize some folks and I want to preach to you for just a second let you know you are just as vital to this body as the pastor is. You are just as important as any person that is sitting in this pew. Honey, you are part of the complete collection not just known as Rodney Pike Church of God, but to the body of Christ. You're valuable. 
Hallelujah. A 99-year-old Hollywood legend can die. And we celebrate this person. We act like there were extra angels rolling out the golden carpet as she walks in. And they talked about how now all the golden girls are celebrating together in heaven. But I've got news for you folks this morning. The same on that very day, there were poor dear saints who passed away. And the same God that that 99-year-old legend stood in front of, those dear poor saints stood in front of that very God. If you think about it for just a moment, he values you so much, he doesn't say I want this one more and this one less no he looks at you and says I want you right here with everybody else praise God hallelujah I like what it says in Galatians chapter 6 it says brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespasses you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Now, interestingly enough, there's like individual examination, but in the midst of our individual examination, there's a holding up of somebody who might be at a weakening state. I get, Mark my word on this. Mark my word. I am not, I am not devaluing home worship. I'm not, I'm not, see, all, all that kind of stuff is important. I'm not devaluing home worship, home prayer, time in the word of God at home. But the coming together is just as important as the individual worship. You say, well, that's easy for a man who's been going to church since he was two weeks old to say that. It, let me tell you, I feel weird when I don't go to church on Sundays. I feel weird. It's like, what's going on here? You mean people do this on a regular basis? You mean people feel like they're just too tired to come? Who wouldn't want to come here? We'll show up a half hour early to work and we complain about that place. We'll, we'll complain about that place. We'll stand 20 minutes to get our double quarter pounder at McDonald's. Oh, but we'll just kind of ride. I'm like, who would want to do this? I've, I mean, this, this, this isn't like, we, we had a quarantine week a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, this, this is just weird. This, this, this is totally weird. I, I, I don't quite understand what's going on here. Mark my word. Mark, mark my word. When you feel stressed and beat up and tore down, you wake up because we all have those Sundays like that. It's, 
we can be transparent for just a second here today. It's an intimate setting here at Rodney Pike Church of God this morning. We can be transparent. We all have those times, that, that load. And something that concerns me, it seems to be when the saints have a heavy load, it's like we, we, we will decide as opposed to running towards the body, we'll try to run away from the body. The intention of the body of Christ is for you not to come in looking perfected in every way and having it figured out. Isn't it interesting that we'll read about coming together and it's almost like we don't want, we'll, we'll be shy about going to the altar because we don't want to look vulnerable. You ever know, you ever had that? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid somebody's going to think I'm a sinner up in here. So, somebody's going to think I don't have it together all up in here. But the coming together and bearing one another's burdens is that many times we will look at that verse of Scripture with an air of vulnerability toward an individual. But what happens is when we begin to bear one another's burdens, what was a burden becomes a strength. And the ones who were weighed down begin to be strengthened. Honey, hear me on this this morning. Please, when you are stressed and down, do not hide from the house of God. Run to the house of God. Find a saint that can pray with you and bear one another's burden. See, what happens is we might be in the locker room right now, but here in a moment, the coach is gonna clap his hands and say break, and we're gonna walk out onto the field. The locker room is not the place where the team plays because in order to fulfill the team purpose, you got to go out into the field of play. But the locker room does something. It does something. It, I want to skip over a few things I have this morning. And I want us to go to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. I want to go over there this morning. Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. It says, And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked him, saying, Who, who do the crowd say that I am? Who do the crowd say that I am? It says, so they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Or as many translations read, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, there's an interesting thing with this particular gospel translation of this passage of scripture because in the gospel of Luke it doesn't go into that declaring that Jesus says over Peter it doesn't go into that it doesn't go in you, you know back in the old days the church of God used to have something called state evangelists okay and state evangelists had that preacher stank about them 
And so it doesn't have that passage where Jesus gets all evangelist and he makes that big declaration over Peter, but there's something about this passage. Jesus asks and says, who do the crowds, who does the crowd say I am? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be very transparent about it. I feel the same way about sports talk as I almost do about mainstream media this week. Because here I am, I'm 39 years old. The last time my team was in the Super Bowl, I wasn't quite old enough to totally hone in and focus on it. In fact, I believe we were in church. I believe we were in church service. And in fact, we were, we were driving home and mom and dad said, oh, the Bengals lost. We probably tuned in to the famous radio station in Cincinnati called 700 WLW. I love that. Love that radio channel. But here I am this week and I hear all this commentating going on. And frankly, Truth be told, I'm, I'm rooting for the team that they're calling the underdog. I, I'm, root, I'm rooting for the team that they call the underdog. So I've gotten mad this week and have had to, I've been excited. Oh my gosh, I'm going to listen to some analysis on the Super Bowl and I'm going to tune in and they're just saying Cincinnati doesn't have a chance. They don't have a chance. Jesus was looking at his disciples and he's like, okay, I'm going to have this moment with my disciples when the crowds aren't there. Because if you notice something, the crowds had various opinions of who Jesus was. You ever notice that crowds like to tell you who your Jesus is? When we know all along he's the only begotten Son of God who's our Savior, so, honey, there's a need to break away from the crowds and come to the place with the folks who you are in one mind and in one accord with. Why? Well, I'll tell you what, though. Let me tell you something about Cincinnati. This ain't the first time we went into a championship as the underdog. Because in 1990, the Reds went to the World Series and no commentator thought that they were going to win that World Series. And in fact, the legend has it that Dave Stewart, anybody remember Dave Stewart, the pitcher for the Oakland A's? I'm making myself look older than a fossil talking about Dave Stewart's pre preaching. Pitching. And they talked about how he was an intimidator and would stare down his batters. Well, there was a young center fielder, maybe weighed 130 pounds, played center field for the Reds by the name of Eric Davis, who walked up to the plate, and I believe it was the very first pitch thrown in the World Series by the intimidating Dave Stewart and Eric Davis homered off of him. I'm here to tell you something right now. There is so much crowd noise out there right now. There's so much crowd analysis and saying who Jesus is and saying what Jesus is and what it takes to get to heaven. That's why it is valuable to gather here in the locker room before you go out.
I'll tell you what I'd like to do. We've got so much going on this morning. Is there any instructions, First Lady? Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'll give you the mic here in just a second. Yeah, gotcha. If everybody could stand together with me, if everybody could stand together with me. Amen. What's that? No, we'll, we'll, we can just pray and fellowship with one another.